Welcome to True Verse of the World. This is Drew Versus the World, a podcast about living, loving, and laughing, getting inspiration through information. Today we have on a podcast, is it Dion Wilson? That's correct. Oh, I got a first try. Awesome. Awesome. He is the CEO and founder of Ranster. Ranster. Raster. Raster Technologies. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Drew, for having me. Doing really great. It is truly a pleasure. Um, the funny thing about um, how we connected is it was through Instagram, and um, your your page on Instagram or whoever runs that Instagram says multiverse. So I was I had no expectation of who I was speaking to or what I would be speaking about. But can you give me a little bit of insight into why that name multiverse is your Instagram handle? Absolutely. So that was actually Facebook and um, multiverse for us has to do with we are a company that is focused on artists, specifically illustrators and literary talent writers, uh, graphic designers as well. And each small comic book publisher have their own set of characters, storylines, and that's a universe. And when you add them together, we saw it as a multiverse. We know that term is popular across comics and science, but our reason for having it really has to do with with three for three reasons. Uh, the software that we're creating, each application is its own unique experience. The comic book storyline behind it, as well as the use of those applications, the community. Uh, the community we see as a multiverse, we see it as, you know, various cultures and subcultures and groups coming together under very similar and unified uh, cause and reason. And and also because of the characters and storylines. That is awesome. You're kind of m- meshing both of my two love and passions, which is comic books and technology, uh, which is amazing. Nice. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Nice. I didn't if know that. Yeah, if you ever get a chance, you should um, um, reach out or look up um, Black Nerd Problems. Okay. Um, they're a group and a team of rarely, like, if you can think of Star Wars nerds, okay. but that look and talk like us, <laughs> they are them. And nice. uh, they're very, very detail-oriented when it comes to the analytics of, and, and now, sorry, analysis of comic books and, you know, comic book culture, anime, things like that. So if you ever get a chance, please reach out to them. I think, yeah, the guys would kind of like mesh, just kind of cross pollination there. Nice. I'll do it. Awesome. Um, so I think you know the podcast. So we're going to do the first thing is the quarantine check-in. So quarantine check-in is going to consist of about three questions. Just I call it the mental health check-in. Um, it's just like an understanding of how you've been dealing with these times and how you're kind of coming out of it, hopefully stronger. So the first question of the quarantine check-in is, can you give me one word that would describe your time in quarantine and why? 
I want to say same, but I'll say similar. Okay. The reason for that, a lot of the work that I do is already in front of a computer. Our team works remotely around the world, and we work multiple hours uh, and alternate days uh, throughout the week. So for a number of businesses that have had to cut back from the retail front, we have not had to do that. We're, we're working very much in our comfort zone. I hear a lot of people who said this is a time of reflection and study for them. I have to do that all the time, even with this business and this industry, uh, multiple industries, technology and comics. So in that respect, the same, but the one word is similar because this global pandemic has absolutely affected everyone. Where my week of going to the gym, the community gym that I go to, I'm unable to do that as often because of the distancing requirements. Mm-hmm. And um, also, this is a time I believe where you, you know, as a as a leader, uh, I have to be a lot more sensitive in really seeing the mentality of the people that are working for me, as well as the people we service, our business stakeholders. Uh, it's it's a different time, and uh, it's a very sensitive time. And we have to be respectful of that we have to know how much to give and what to give, you know, who to be in those times. So with that, uh, being careful, it, you know, I'm always careful, but but this is this is a unique set of circumstances and really, uh, you know, doing what we normally do, but having to adjust to the fact that we can't necessarily do all the things the same way. Yeah, that's a great point because your normal, I would say, routine is kind of either eliminated or in flux because of these closures and things like that. Um, yeah. So I guess my next question actually really like tra- like goes seamlessly to that. What is your quarantine routine now? What is kind of your day to day from when you wake up to when you close your eyes? <laughs> okay, so um, and, and you know I have to really think about this kind of. I'm usually up around the clock, if you will. So I may have a meeting at three o'clock in the afternoon Pacific time or three in the morning. Uh, Pacific time. It really depends on what, which of my business colleagues I'm, I'm, you know, working with, and and the the nature. In terms of schedule, I, I keep a crazy schedule where I I don't focus on the hour. I focus on the event. Uh, we I, I can tell you the weekly events if if that helps, which is mm-hmm. you know my my normal networking to new. Uh, new potential uh, uh, partners and and uh, developers, uh, people to you know get involved in the community. You know, from the level of being involved in art, 
uh, you know, comics, business, as well as, you know, interacting with my team. Um, and then my, my own personal habits of study. So they're, they're really mixed in, you know, and of course, and in my own personal habit of recreation and eating, I mean, that's important too, you know, <laughs> taking the occasional shower and I take a shower all the time, but you know, these things are important. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's all mixed in and it, it really depends on what's happening for the day. I, I like that things change. They're, they're, they're not the same each day. I have the same things each week, but they change day to day, hour to hour sometimes. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, the, the, a lot of people have been coming, bringing up the term, the new normal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> So it's interesting to see somebody with your kind of like reach to has like the new normal is never the new normal. It's it's always different. (laughs) I I would say that I got my schedule from and I'll I'll say this, you know, I don't know if this is going to create more questions, but I got my schedule from the guys that uh, were in the military, the special operations teams Mm -hmm. who will have the same day, but it'll be different each time. They'll have the same set of events, but it's different each time. And when you, I, I'm, I was not a part of special operations, but I provided some, some work for them. When you're with those guys, you realize, oh, I thought it was at 4.30. It's Monday. No, it's, you know, at 9.30 on Thursday. So it, it becomes habit and, and you realize yeah. that it's pretty effective. It keeps, it, it keeps the boredom down too. You know, um, it keeps you sharp because your mind is not associating a time with an event. It's just keeping track of the events that need to be done. And and I like that. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with a gentleman by the name of David Goggins. I've heard of him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he kind of like similar kind of ideals is like the events instead of the time. But I love the idea that that's really kind of that's that's the that's that's a clip right there. Um, (laughs) Goggins, I believe he's a Navy SEAL. He was a a former SEAL, right? Navy SEAL. But I think he's the only person in history to complete all military training um, regiments. Okay, nice. I believe so. Don't quote me on this. Okay, um, but all right. But I think he, he. I know he's like a monster, and his right. like his his whole thing is kind of like pushing your body, and pushing your body past its limit, and letting your mind kind of take. Absolutely, take like runners way. high, like runners mm-hmm. high. Absolutely, oh, man. absolutely. It, it's funny that a lot of people can't understand that, but I I I was a runner in, from junior high school. And I'm kind of taking it back up now and trying to, you know, practice for marathons. And you can feel the kind of the euphoria you get sometimes when you're just you're like in that you're in that like 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 tunnel, and you're yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. there's, there's no sound, there's no like taste, there's no pain. But yeah. then you get home, and then it's like your soul's crushed. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> for me, my knees would be crushed a lot sooner yeah. than my soul would. You know, I can't <laughs> run like I used to. <laughs> you know, but but you know, more power to you. It's, it's great uh, mental and physical exercise. Absolutely, it's good. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, last question: What is something that you've um, taking up or you, an activity you've taken up during quarantine that you didn't before? 
Oh, uh, well, you know, I, I would say watching uh, the the occasional, you know, reality TV show. But the, but the truth is, that's kind of a, a dirty pleasure anyway, watching them <laughs> from time to time. I would. Well, I'll, I'll say that I recently saw Netflix had uh, Selling Sunset. And it, it's their version of real estate transactions in Los Angeles in mm. the Sunset area. And there's more drama than there are sales. Um, you know, and if you if you follow the real, you know, the, the, the major real estate agents in that area, you know, you know, I, I, don't, I shouldn't talk about these guys. The Oppenheimer group is they're great, but then they're not on top of the food chain. That's for sure. So, you know, I, I could sound off on, on who's on top of the food chain there. And it's not those guys. They do some business, but then, you know, it's a good thing to have the TV show. Going. <laughs> so, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You know, I won't badmouth them too much. But, yeah, that would probably be one of one of the pleasures is, you know, in in those few minutes catching a a show that, you know, because I'm not around a lot of drama, which is great. So, you know, you got to have it. <laughs> I guess it's a part of my DNA. So I, I feel that your show, you know, I thought it would be interesting to see. I thought they would talk more about real estate. It's more about drama. And I caught myself in the drama. It's OK. You know, so that that's my that that's it. Other than that, I'm doing the same stuff. OK, awesome. Yeah. Um, So the next thing we have here is um. so that sorry, that was the quarantine check in. Um, so next thing let's get into a little bit more about kind of your company um, how you started it um, and how are you creating this kind of like like unholy combination of art and technology Uh, (laughs) how are you and and just give me a little bit about your background just whole life story let's go all right my whole life story well I I don't know if I want to do that yet you know we'll wait wait for the memoir to come out but there we go um, I it roughly about 2000 well I've been an entrepreneur all my life okay I've I've been involved in some form of business ownership investing and I got started with those things I would say early as an African-American male but late compared to other, you know, others who, you know, start. I, I I started my business right out of high school. I was 17 years old. And my first company was a security company. That experience led me to becoming an employee with companies that contract to the Department of Defense. And in between that time being back and forth in various countries and, you know, I, uh, you know, took on and, and, and started more businesses. Uh, I've always had a thing for comics. And before I got bit by the business book coming out of high school, my goal was to be an artist for Marvel Comics. And I spent, yeah, I spent uh, junior high and high school really working hard to uh, illustrate, you know, just be a monster. And at that time, artists like Dale Keown, Rob Liefeld, uh, you know, Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, obviously the guys that went to Image, but also, you know, Andy Kubert, uh, you know, various artists 
at those at that time, you know, the art was very popular. The stories were great. And I, I just had to be there. But I got bit by the business bug and decided I wanted to do things a little different. And speed speed it up. Got back into the comic scene at about 2006 and saw something I had not seen before. You know, I I saw a fanfare that was much larger than I had ever known. More people going to conventions than it was just it was just unbelievable to me. Not only that, uh, the cosplay at the time was, you know, obviously, you know, it's popular. And it, that was new to me. You know, people dressing up like the characters is not Halloween. And the the uh, the use of geek and nerd, which, you know, I grew up in East Oakland. Mm. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, if you were called a geek and a nerd, it was not on good terms. You mm. were not popular. OK. Yep. And it was really strange to me to see how these two phrases were uh, becoming commercially popular and people were proud to be geeks and nerds. I said, what is going on? What did I miss? But, you know, traveling back and forth overseas and you you might miss some of that, especially doing what I was doing. So I said, well, I want to look more into this. And really, uh, you know, I'll throw, you know, a shout out to uh, Kevin Pereira. Uh, from G4 and Attack of the Show, that's where I started to see a lot of this. And and my understanding that that show's coming back too. But that's where I saw a lot of it. And what happened at the time I was in the States, I was trading commodities. And during my break time, I would watch Attack of the Show. And I said, well, you know, you've got the investor guys trying to talk about gaming they don't know anything about gaming they don't know what they're talking about right and i i see the g4 programming they've got attack of the show they've got x play and i said these guys know what they're talking about these guys are in it and so i said you know if i'm gonna look at how well it's performing i'm gonna listen to these guys so that's where i would get my comic book news and video game news from and it really it it really rekindled the fire to say, hey, you know, what would be the interest of someone in your work, in your ideas, the ideas you had before, you know, new ideas? And I took a couple of years. I didn't start right then and there. It was, you know, still early for me. But about four years later, after doing my research and coming to the point where I said, I want to go into this, I started what originally was Digital Revolver. And Digital Revolver, we changed that because the name just wasn't neutral enough. We felt that use of gun, you know, wouldn't work if we wanted a children's line. You know, I, I could see lots of parents. And I got, you know, got some people that I knew involved. And so we changed it to Titanium Comics. And from that point, which was about two years in, at that point, about 2012, and from that point, Things took off in a way that was just really unbelievable. We saw a real boost to our social media, well over 50,000 people in less than a year. Uh, You know, sales, the minute we dropped our comics, we were selling. 
working with artists that had worked for Marvel, DC, and you know all types of you know environments. It, it was a dream come true, and I had an amazing budget to do it. I had a budget that was different than what most people that come into this industry had. I had a six-figure budget. And yeah, um, (laughs) you know, and why the transition to raster technologies Mm -hmm. is, is because the idea was to take titanium and say, look, guys, you're a small publisher. You can grow. You can beat the odds. You can you can do what we've done at least and do better. You know, there there were great performers and great performers in that market even before us, like Alternative Comics, uh, you know, Ar- uh, Arcana, I think. You know, there were a number of, of various players doing, you know, super. Uh, what I realized was that we weren't adding as much value to the industry as I thought we were. Uh, it, it would be like if you could imagine a community pool in the summer that is over capacity and you bring your child, right? You take your child and put them in that over capacity pool and you try to find them. Good luck. Right. <laughs> and, and and that's really where I said, why would somebody care about us? Why would they start with us? What really makes us different? And I felt that the value proposition wasn't strong enough. There was a lot of sensational stuff that we did. We did animation, full-blown animation. We did all kinds of things. But the value proposition wasn't strong enough. So that's where we said it's time to solve problems. It's time to look at where the problems are and solve for X. So we changed out one group. And I say we because I had a couple partners at that time. They're still here. We we changed out one group of artists for another group of artists. We went from illustrators and writers to guys and girls that write code. And nice. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and it was it was a learning curve for us because I'd never been anywhere close to software development. I still don't consider myself or the company a software development company. In fact, uh, we are a data technology company. And mm. to kind of and to roll it, yeah, absolutely. To to roll it forward. And and why I say that is the problems that we saw were ubiquitous. I don't care if you're looking at the small publisher in Italy or the small publisher in Germany, Canada, the United States. The problems are the same. There are larger publishers who've had more time, more experience, more resources. And it makes it difficult for the small guy to get in there and become commercially successful. Mm -hmm. Right. and. We said, what can we do to change this? And so that's when I decided to go to all types of expos and uh, conferences on technology, every kind of technology you could think of. I mean, shy of Department of Defense, you know, uh, you know, weapons for sale. We, We were looking at IOT. We were looking at blockchain artificial intelligence, you name it. And, you know, even even hardware. And ultimately, the idea is software will be more cost effective, will really be more accessible to all parties, whether it's desktop or mobile. And it'll be 
easier to scale, better to scale than than hardware. Yeah. So then it was about, okay, how do you know which problems and how do we, you know, create something for this? So that's where the design and thinking process came up. We came up with a few things and ultimately it led us to Hero Ledger as the first application. We have we have five such applications we're working on plus multiple layers of technologies in between and and they all integrate into a cloud. And so what they will help illustrators, writers, graphic designers, voice actors, uh, you know, uh, uh, game publishers, mm-hmm. animators do is monetize their works at the, I'd like to say at the least common denominator or the maybe even the greatest common denominator, right? So what I noticed about the industry is that we've gone away from the comic book. The comic book is symbolic to the comic industry, but it's not the focus. Politics is the focus. Conventions are the focus. Television shows, movies, everything but the comic book. And mm-hmm. and I when I took the comic book, I said, you've got 15 minutes of enjoyment. It takes the average time to read is about 15 minutes. Average cost per page is about 16 cents. And as creators, we heavily subsidize the 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 reader. And those pages can cost hundreds of dollars. So you imagine a page costing you three or four hundred dollars to create, and it costs the reader sixteen cents. Yeah, <laughs> they're not making any money, mm-hmm. right? And so I could really break down the dynamics of that later, but uh, or another time. But uh, you, you're not making money. So we said, how can we get back to the core instrument, which is the comic book, and make it a focus to monetize? Help these businesses grow and become more recognized and 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 you know progress the industry, really progress the industry. The the other thing we saw data is missing. We saw yeah. that there are a few providers of information, but it it's 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 kept very uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I said that, you know. You can't grow without information and the information has got to be actionable. We keep hearing the same recycled statistics about how many boys to how many girls, how many how many book sales from the top 300, you know, 300 comics. The small publisher that does nothing to help them. They need to know that when they go with the one distributor that's been there, they're going to pay 40 to 60 percent on their books. You know, they're going to get killed on those deals. And a lot of them can't can't handle the print run that's required for major distribution. They're not getting the the they're not commercially successful where large publishers say, hey, let's take your works and do foreign foreign rights translation. Let's get it into another country in another language or let's just get it into another country. They're not qualifying. So when I looked at it, we don't need to qualify. The, the truth is. We can simply create software that acts as the distributor, the retailer, the production suite, the marketing, and really allow these creators the space and the tools that it needs. And in this industry, you keep seeing the same technology. Every time you turn around, somebody with a, with a retail product, it's always forward-facing to consumers. 
when they create technology is here's the latest uh, comic book retail online store as opposed to here's a production suite for you. And that was one of the things, too. Nobody created anything for the comic book industry specifically, with the exception of Made Fire. Made Fire created a product for artists, but it's limited. It doesn't factor in the writers, not to the level it should. Uh, It doesn't factor in the graphic designers to the level it should. It doesn't factor in distribution and marketing. So it doesn't handle the business. It handles some of the production, but it doesn't handle the business. And so we we wanted tools that would do that, and we wanted data. So we're, we're putting together a database that we feel will be the largest database in the world. Uh, our goal is over 40 terabytes of information on over well over 3,000 data points and subpoints uh, related to all things comics, financial, real estate. Uh, just a lot of different things that you would not think are in the value of this industry. And they are. And and people need to know. So that that's where we went. We feel very strong about our vision. We have a 20-year vision. We see where these things will go. We've incorporated blockchain. We've incorporated artificial intelligence and machine learning. Of course, data technology. And we feel that we have the right mix of technologies to address these issues and we feel we have the right features in these applications and the and the right combination and we were able to do something else really phenomenal and i'll leave it at this we were able to connect with uh, jorns wannenberg who is our chief blockchain officer uh, he created our token economy And a token economy is not exclusive to blockchain. You know, tokens have existed even before there was electronics, but Mm -hmm. they exist in electronics despite blockchain. And what we were able to do is come up with a digital economy that comic creators will be able to use regardless to which application that they need most or want to use most. It'll be inter-exchangeable between all of the applications that we have. And it's it's totally unique and specific to them. And it's going to add more value to what they create and who they are as creators. So that that's what we're doing. It's kind of like Disney Bucks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Yes. Yes. Why not? Super, super, super highly simplistic version of your technology, t- technological advances that all you've been putting your time and money into. But yes, Disney Bucks. Uh, <laughs> Disney Bucks. Okay. No problem. No problem. You know, electronic Disney um, Bucks. Yeah, but I, I want to go even a little bit like okay. um, earlier into your conversation where you discussed you becoming a. Um, when you just kind of starting to be a serial entrepreneur at, you know, in high, after high school, what was that secu- What ma- what was that drive or what was that push that pers- made you pursue kind of um, starting your own company? Like out of when you know you could just got a summer job and you could have just you know kind of coast. You ask a question that I don't think I'll leave this planet without. I'll, I'll always remember. In in high school, 
I, I forget even which class, but I do remember what happened. We were invited to one of the local banks and it was in, of course, it, it, they own the whole high rise. And where our tour began was at the very top. And this was overlooking the city. We were upstairs. There was a conference room there and then the main room where the tour and, you know, talk was given. And before we got started, we were able to kind of roam around, you know, talk. And I remember clearly being in the conference room, looking out across the bay. And there was this feeling that came over me like, I don't know what this is, but I want it. I want to do it. I don't even know what it is. But it, it happens in a room like this, and I'm in charge, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I want to do it. And that feeling, you know, if if you had a high school sweetheart or something, it's the same feeling. That was my high school sweetheart, you know, one of them. And so that that was that was the feeling. Uh, I, I couldn't shake it after that. It, it, it's never going away. It's never going away. That that was that that was that moment. That was that day. I couldn't describe it. I didn't I didn't know what business was at that point. Not really. And I just knew that this feeling and, you know, and I kind of, you know, the metaphysical side of me believes that, you know, if you're working, that energy lingers. And so if people are working in that space and you're sensitive to that energy, you get there and you pick that up. And maybe you can't necessarily interpret it logically, but you feel it. And I think that's what happened to me. And and so from that point forward, it was go. You know. Yeah. So what was what was the security company about? Was it did you <laughs> do security at your, like your local proms and parties or no, something like that? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, even even then I wanted to be closer to Iron Man, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we started as a personal security company and then worked to move towards guard service. So it was electronic equipment. It, it, well, it started as personal security products. Then it evolved to electronic surveillance and then it evolved to guard service, or I should say it was going to evolve to guard service. Uh, we were this close. We had we had won a really big bid with one of the local municipalities. We beat out a multi-million dollar company. Uh, they were probably multi-billion dollar then, but it's you know one of the largest security companies in the United States. We beat them and we had a nickel and a nail in our pockets and they had lots of resources. Uh, but hunger and drive and determination when, you know, others that have already gotten it and gotten it and gotten it, they lose sight. So they get lazy. They do it out of habit, but they got lazy. And we saw that and we took advantage of it by really just you know, leaning in and, and being big. And we got a lot of help from from some great professionals. Unfortunately, we couldn't complete the work that we wanted to do, you know, for financial reasons, we couldn't do it. But, you know, and that was a real painful moment. It was a very painful moment. Uh, but it was it was a great lesson for me. You know, of what I learned that day, people talk about failing in business. The, my truth is that 
the business will never fail you. You will always fail the business. You, mm. Your business can't fail you. You fail it by not knowing, by not having something, but the business won't fail. It'll be you. You know, it doesn't matter what the enterprise is. It's the person. So I failed my business, um, not for the sake of trying, but whether you try or not, you know, you, you, you've got to have those T's crossed and those I's dotted. And there were just areas I was new to. And I was very young. I'm very young. Mm-hmm. I was uh, about half the age that I am now. So I'm, I'm in my mid 40s. I was about 22, 23, maybe. You know, wow. uh, yeah, you know, so that's the breaks, you know. So so were you building these security systems or were you what were you doing? We we actually had vendors who had everything from night vision to uh, surveillance cameras, everything that you could think of, police equipment, you know, military, whatever. And so. With with a uh, wholesaler's license and business license, all we needed to do was press a button and say, we need X number of these and we would fulfill a contract. So if there was a business that says, hey, we're looking for a security company to provide us with, you know, a service or a product, we would be the guys to get that, you know, you know, less our costs and, you know. That was to build up the company before we got really heavy into manufacturing. We wanted to go the direction of manufacturing. We wanted to you know, go from guards, because that would have been the next big contract, to manufacturing. And, and manufacturing would have still taken me where I went, which is with the Department of Defense, but it would have been more of actually creating those systems at that point. Not just That's buying true. other people's, but creating our own. Got you. Okay. Okay. Um, and then with, with the, so did you just come at this by happenstance or is this something that your friends kind of like, you got like a power group together and said, Hey, let's do this. Like, do you I'm mean the security? To, yeah. I'm just trying to get your origin story. <laughs> uh, yeah. I see that. I see that. Um, I've told it so much that sometimes I'm like, Oh no, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> when I graduated high school, I, I didn't attend college, first of all. You know, I've had a lot of people say, oh, you're so smart. What college did you go to? I didn't. Uh, you know, I went to, you know, <laughs> I went to other people's colleges to visit them. But um, when I graduated high school, I was 17 years old. I was already a year ahead of the year I should have graduated based on age. When I graduated not going to college, I said, you've got to do something that really puts you on the map. You know that your peers are going to college. And if you look at the hiring authority, they're going to say, well, your peers went to college. We know exactly why they should, you know, we should hire them. Why should we hire you? So I said, you can't afford to be in a situation where your lack of academic achievement keeps you back financially, you know, keeps mm-hmm. you from, you know, breaking bread. You've you've got to not only outdo them, but you've got to sustain that. And so I felt like business would do that. And I began to think I was I was with a friend of mine at the time and I was sitting down 
And I said, okay, what are, where's the world going? And what are two major industries that when we get 20 years up the road, they're going to be major industries? Well, they were already major industries, and that was telecommunications and, 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 and uh, security. And yeah. so I said, well, you know, these are huge. You can't do both. You got to just pick one. So I, I picked security, and I named the company. I don't know if I want to say the name, but I named the company. And you have to say the name. Okay. Well, I named the company Raven Security Company. Okay. Okay. And yeah, you know, <laughs> I maybe there was some comic influence. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. Raven Security <laughs> Company. And uh, a few years later, it became a reality. You know, working hard, making the plans. I would spend. Yeah, you know, back then, you know, the internet <laughs> wasn't around. So, so I was at the library every day writing my business plan and I put together a Bible. That thing was thick, never used it to, to get financing with, because in my mind, I said, you know, as an African-American male, I walk into a bank, they're going to think I'm here to rob it. They're not going to give me money. They're not going to give me money. So I said, the best thing you could do with this is use it as your guide plan to build this business yourself. And that's what I did. But the thing was thick. You know, I refused to write a business plan that thick today. And then thankfully, nobody wants to see that. You know, <laughs> nobody wants that. Uh, but there was no Internet. And if you, you know, I, I had my, my uh, library card and I was at the library faithfully every day working on that thing. And, you know, I, I found that putting it together became a guide that subconsciously got me to talking to people, working deals that I otherwise would not have. And and slowly but surely going to different meetings, going to, you know, uh, talking to different professionals, selling, you know, personal products, and then getting to the point where it's like, hey, guys, we want you to put in a request for proposal. You know, I, I had come back from, from uh, Southern California doing some security training. And on my table was this package. And I'm like, what's this? And it had all the stuff. Hey, we found you because you advertised or whatever. And that advertised so many places. I don't even remember. And they were like, we want you to put in a request for a proposal. And I said, wow, what's that? Sounds great. And when I looked over everything, I was like, okay, this is it. <laughs> so <laughs> that that transitioned. And I was also, I was working a 40 hour a week job at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I, at that time I was not the, you know, all, in, I mean, it was all in, in terms of my, my self, but not in terms of, you know, I, I still had to make money. So I was working and building the business. It wasn't a problem. I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. So that's, that's really what happened with the security and, um, I got a lot of experience and I'll tell you, so you talk about life story. I read a book. It was called the hunter, uh, heaven. I think it's called, let's see, uh, the hunter heaven and the hammer. I think that's what it's called. I have to look it up and, and get you the specific name It's written by Robert Pelton. And, um, Pelton is a self-proclaimed adventurer. He had been to, according to the book, he had been to Chechnya, which, if you know anything about that country, is war torn. I mean, it's, 
you know, they were rocking and rolling over there, like in Beirut. Uh, he had gone to Bogensville, very interesting place. Uh, I invite all African-Americans and people of color to read about Bogensville near the Solomon Islands. And he had also been to, because uh, each place, the Hunter, Hammer, and Heaven, each represented, they were a symbol of the three places he went to. And I remember reading that, thinking to myself, wow, I want to travel the world and do that kind of stuff. You know, I want to be like Batman going around the world. And not long afterwards, there was a dot-com crash. And I remember being unemployed, and it was painful. It was painful because I was so self-sufficient. And as luck would have it, there was um, a, a job you know, back in the days when there were newspapers, right? Ooh, so that's yeah. how I used to get jobs <laughs> back in the day. I can say that, you know. Um, you know, ads. in the in the wanted ads, there was oh, okay. a very unique job offer that you I knew you could not typically get in. Uh, you would not find in the in the paper, at least not not in Oakland and not in the Bay Area. It was, it was unusual. And I knew what it was when I saw it. My heart just started beating. You know, I was anxious. I was scared, but I was excited. And they said, hey, send us your resume. If you're a fit, we'll send you to Eastern Europe. And I was terrified. But I called. They were like, yep, send us your, your resume. I sent it. They selected me. And that was the beginning of my career as an employee with companies that contract to the Department of Defense. And my career changed in somewhat, but all of the security, all of the, the trainings, all of the experience helped me tremendously over that 10 plus years of, of working in various countries, um, working this, you know, like I say, serve the servers, you know, uh, working, you know, with military, working with you know, uh, government agencies and what have you. And it, it was it was just it, it was a pleasure. You know, it, it taught me a lot about myself. I learned a lot about other people, cultures that I didn't even know existed. Okay. And uh, by the time I was done with that, I realized if you've worked this hard for these people, you can work even harder for yourself. And and that brought me back here to, you know, at that time, I already had titanium going, but it brought me back here to pivot and to spend my time focused on raster and building a business that will have a true legacy. We don't need it to be a legend. We need it to be a legacy. We need it to you know. So that that's. That's an abbreviated version, man. I don't think you have enough time for my version of, of history. We'll have to do that on on a, on the off note, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. luckily in a podcast we have forever. Um, hmm. Joe Rogan's podcasts are are six hours, so I'm trying to. Oh, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> People say, "Listen, they say I talk too much." I'm like, "Well, maybe I'll do a podcast, or maybe I'll do you know public speaking." I can do that. I always. I always say, and it's not like I have the biggest platform in the world or anything, but I think everybody should have one just to, for even in this section of our time, it's a time capsule 
on the information that we have at this time. And our parents, they had photos, right? Our parents yeah. before that had time capsules, time capsules, Absolutely. like right. Absolutely. time ca- capsules. But mm-hmm. now we can have an audio medium that we can like share with the world in twenty ninety nine nine, right? And they yeah. be like, "Hey, remember, <laughs> remember those, remember those primitives used to have these podcasts, and right. they, have, they hear us talking, and you know, they talk, they hear about you know Raven, and he, like, oh, he started, out, he started out of nothing. They even have flying cars. How did they do that? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's, that's true. I always say that everybody should have something at least definitely now to hold on to that can be like an audio medium or even like a video or something like that but True. yeah i think you would i think you would be awesome no, i appreciate that thank you awesome <laughs> um, talk enough for everybody yeah. <laughs> uh, is, do you have any more titanium comics like hanging around i can send you what we have in, in digital um i'm happy to send you we have posters t-shirts so i'll, I'll put some stuff together and send it your way that would be amazing. Yeah. I I, yeah. I love yeah. to collect. <laughs> yeah, you awesome. you you'll get the digital comics. I'll just send you a link for those, but I'll put the t-shirt and posters and stuff together and shoot it your way. For sure. Thank you. Thank you yeah, so man. much. Absolutely. I thank you. Yeah. And um also um as part of your company now, so mm-hmm. I am in the data business analytical space and technology. Okay. So I really super appreciate the real important part that you said is that, you know, our, the most important part of technology now is moving to data. Correct. Um, and, Correct. And you to have that many data points with, I think it was like almost four, four and a half terabytes of 40. 40. Something, yeah. We're, 40 we're working on 40 terabytes. Correct. Of information. That's super, super paramount too. just like being able to. So these, these different, like, AWS and Google uh, Analytics and yes. all these things are basically just doing exactly what we need to do is concatenating all that data into one place and being able to transpose that to certain parties to be able to then adjust their either t- their technology or adjust their viewpoint of how they're u- utilizing a service. So. Absolutely. So to for you guys to be doing that on a co- for comic book creators and writers and digital con- content creators, okay. that's because I know I know there's probably like I have a couple of friends that just wrote books recently, Great. and I and these are just like self help books or books mm-hmm. in general. I know that they're getting you know from Amazon, hey your book sold right, but they're not getting like okay Johnny down the block like around right. the corner like he he brought right. it then. Then Sylvia down the block brought it. So you have a 10 mile radius of people that are enjoying your book. So you should pivot your, <laughs> your strategy. Absolutely. To- so Absolutely. Absolutely. You could not have, you couldn't have hit the nail on the head better. Mm-hmm. When, when a comic book creator goes to a convention, when any of us go to a convention, do we know how much we're paying per square foot foot of use? Most of us don't. Mm-hmm. And and we should. And and I tell you what, the convention organizers do. They've got oh, data yeah. on you. <laughs> they they know where you stay. They know how long you stay at a the booth. They they've got the data on you. But 
you know, companies, and, and this is a problem too with data, and I think that the federal government has, or there are some in the federal government that have the wrong uh, game plan. Um, and and that is trying to scare people, use a scare tactic that, oh, these companies are selling your data. Mm. Okay. The selling of data is not a problem. Most people don't even care. What most people care about is, is their data going to compromise them in a way that's going to cost them their life or cost them financially, you know, or inconvenience them? Companies need to begin a process of monetizing, sharing what they monetize with the people who help to create that data. Yes. And luckily, we have a plan to do that. And it entails the users knowing, just like you said, you know, who's buying what you have, where it's selling, how much people want to buy it for. But but your keystrokes and all these different things that you're doing that companies are collecting anyway, mm-hmm. letting people know what the value of that is. And when you have a relationship with a third party vendor that's saying, hey, we'll buy this data from you. You're telling the consumer or you're telling that third party, wait, before you buy this, we need the permission of the person that helped us to to gather these facts. And you're letting them know, look, your data is worth $35. Well, Mm -hmm. I seriously doubt that when an average person finds out what that data is worth, even at $25, that they're going to turn that incentive down, unless it's something very, very personal, right? But but in our space, we're not dealing with personal stuff in that way, like, say, Facebook would. You know, we're dealing with the things that people want to monetize. And, and what we're betting on is that the guy or the girl or the person that wants to, uh, you know, go out Friday night and their pockets are a little empty and they see that their 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 data is worth twenty five dollars and they can push the button and it goes to their account. They're going to go for it. You know, most of us would. I would. Even if I'm not going to go out, I'm going to say, give me that $25. Okay. We need to look at things differently. Data is important. And in fact, another reason that data is important, human beings, because of our cognitive bias, cognitive dissonance, um, memory problems, the fallacies we subscribe to, uh, we need a clearer perspective on what happens in any one event. Mm-hmm. We, we need another perspective that is not human, but shows us what's happening. I think that the reason we haven't come to that yet is not just because of the technology. We need to you know, build that. But I think it's also embarrassing. I think that we don't want to be wrong about what we perceive. Yeah. And, you know, when we have a third party that doesn't, you know, it has no emotional ties to whether mm-hmm. you're right or wrong, but it's saying, hey, look, this is what happened. And this is the time it happened. And we're certain, you know, that's going to change even the need for people to have their mobile devices and say, hey, I got to film this because I don't want someone to to get the wrong idea. Yes. You no. Know? 
And so we, you know, I know that, you know, we're, we're very careful here in America compared to other countries about surveillance. And in some ways we are not as, 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 depends on who you're talking to. But there are some elements to using those technologies that need to benefit everyone. And we need to talk about it that way. We need to talk about community benefits, not benefit to an agency, not benefit to a political party, okay, or a particular politician or a particular law enforcement group, but benefit to the entire national community. And and that needs to happen. So as 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 technologies and the leaders of technology stacks and applications create new things with the intention of democratization, uh, disintermediation, um, with also making the community the voice, we're going to have, I think, more examples and more tools to drive us in the direction we need to go in as a unified body, you know, because we're not going to win this if we don't work together, you know, we got to work together and, and we got to start being honest about what's happening out there. And a lot of us don't want to do that yet. So we need a third party that will do it regardless, you know, regardless to who's right and who's wrong. You know, we need accuracy. Forget, you know, data is about accuracy. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. You know, exactly. So, yeah, you know, I support you in data. You know, we're trying to support anybody that is working. And I support you as a black man in technology, because one another thing that's a huge misconception is how many African-Americans, people of color, you know, specifically African-Americans and African-American males are involved in creating viable innovations through software and hardware technology. Mm-hmm. I am a testimony, not just me, but what I've seen, that there are a number of black men and black women who are involved in software programming, who are involved in developing businesses and innovations that are not just viable to the nation, but are viable globally. And they need to be financed. They need to be respected. They need to be trusted. And they need to be seen as authorities in the area that they're focused in. And 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 we need to see more of that. We need to see more of that. I, I put out a post uh, earlier today on LinkedIn about the fact that the national uh, the national association or the national uh, venture capital association put out a, a, a number. Their their estimate is that in 2019 there was roughly 130 billion in venture capital dollars that flowed to businesses that was raised and flowed to businesses i have others that that calculated being higher but you know just 130 billion is enough to wrap your head around it is well known that less than 1% not 1% but less than 1% of venture capital dollars goes into the hands of black businesses Okay, so that's that's less than one hundred and thirty million dollars that, you know, I hate to put it out here, but you could dribble a ball. You could rap. You could do all these other things and make one hundred and thirty million. But you have people not that that's not important, but you have people that are creating innovations that are life changing, that we all need, that are not getting the voices. They're not getting ahead like they should. So I support. African-Americans, I support Native Americans, I support Indian Americans, P- 
people of color who are definitely stepping forward, pushing to get their innovations known and used and, and making changes. I support that. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. It's, it's far in between that you, you see a lot of people that look like us in the same room as us most of the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. All right. I gotta I gotta add you on LinkedIn to get my to get to get um some of that inspiration. Sure. Absolutely. Um Okay, we're gonna go to the next part of the podcast, which is the which is the infamous shots fired. Um so shots fired is I call it elevated icebreakers. It's about 15, 25 questions. Um and um first they start off very simple and then it get a little bit more thought provoking at the end. Okay. Sounds good. I got it. Okay. Um I'm stalling for time, stalling for time. Oh, yeah. Found it. I'll cut this and edit. There we go. Uh okay. no problem. <laughs> Okay, first question. What's your favorite color? Favorite color, scarlet red. Okay. Favorite sport? Basketball. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Biker Boys. Okay. Yeah. And what movie do you hate to love? Ah, movie I hate to love... Ooh, um, oh man, man, you got me on that one. What do I hate to love? Mm. Oh man, I, you know, okay. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I got to come back to that one. We'll come back to that one. Okay. Um, one place you want to visit that you haven't yet? Switzerland. Okay. Yeah. Would you? Prefer to travel forward in time or back in time? Forward. Okay. Who is your celebrity crush? You knew about this question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rihanna. Okay. Um, Favorite type of music? Jazz. Okay. Now, who's your favorite artist? And I'm going to preface this by saying it doesn't need to be a musical artist. It's anybody whose art um, invokes emotion. So it could be a painter, it could be a dancer, it could be a programmer even. Okay. I, 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 you know, music is, is really an enjoyment. So I would say, I would say Sade, you know, it's really a tie between her and Miles Davis, but I'm going to go with Sade. Nice. Yeah. What is your most used emoji? Oh, the, the the thumbs up for sure. Thumbs up for sure. What song would be played in hell for you to be Woo. infinitely tortured? I know she's not going to like this. Uh, I, I just want to say real quick that I love her, but Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. Um, can't do it. Just can't do it. You know? I only yeah. wish that Gloria Gaynor is listening to this podcast. That would be awesome. Uh, uh, <laughs> why? So she can chase me down with a bat? No. <laughs> no. Then I know have Gloria Gaynor as a fan. I mean, hey, sometimes you got to. A, a friend of me. 
<laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> who would you change places with for one day? Uh, for one day, I would change places with Mansa Musa. Ooh, okay. The yeah. richest man ever in all time. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. It's not Bezos. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to just yeah. cut us as always. But um, <laughs> what would be the name of your autobiography or memoir? Legion. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you had to hang out with any cartoon character or comic book character, who would you choose? Uh-huh. Batman. Okay. <laughs> um, Batman is the shit. Let me just be <laughs> very honest about it. He's always 10 steps ahead of 10 steps ahead. I love it. I love it. He's he's a he's a non superhero in a superhero's world, and he's just as bad. Even Darkseid respects Batman. So yes. yeah, yeah, you know. So Batman. Okay, it's the zombie apocalypse. Mm. Who are three people you want on your team? Woo. Um. Do I name them by name or just you name by name? Okay, so I have I have an old buddy. Uh, his name is Ian, and okay. I would definitely bring him along. Uh, let's see. I don't know if I bring my current team. I don't know if they're ready for a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> um, I would take maybe two of my characters from Titanium Comics. Uh, two of the Arcane brothers. Okay. You'll find out about them. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, if you had to be handcuffed to someone for a month, who would it be? Mm. Uh, handcuffed to somebody to somebody for a month. I'll go with Robert F. Smith. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you had a talk show. Mm-hmm. Who? Oh, sorry. I'm going to go before that one. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Hmm. You know, I've had a lot of good ones. I've <laughs> had a lot of good ones. Um. Oh man. Um. I've had a lot. I've had so many. I've had people drop so much knowledge on me. I'll just go with this one. I I can't remember them all, but um, there was a gentleman who stopped me in high school as a buddy of mine and I were going back to school for whatever reason. We were just going back up there. It was after school. And he stopped us and he had us to look out and, you know, think about Chinatown, which was, you know, is in downtown Oakland. Mm-hmm. And he asked us, you know, how many black people do you know own banks? And we couldn't name anybody. And so he said, you need to own a bank. And that was really powerful. It was it was a piece of financial advice that you don't have 
at least not at that time. I didn't wasn't anything I had heard of. And so that was that was to kind of put that in another way of saying it. Black people need to have their own financial institutions. We need to be more in charge and more involved in our economy. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree. Yeah. Um, if you had a talk show, who would be your first guest, alive or dead? And what would be the first question you ask them? Um, this is crazy. Um, my my first guess would probably be. Yeah, I think I go with. OK, I go with J. Paul Getty, John Paul Getty, mm-hmm. and I ask him. Um, what is it? that you wanted to do in business that you didn't get a chance to do. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good question. What's uh what's one superpower you want to have? Immortality. Immortality. Yeah. A lot of people don't pick that one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best one. <laughs> Why fly when you can live forever? Exactly. You know, birds fall out of the sky dead. You know, I want to live. Yeah, I can eventually yeah. learn how to flap my flies, flap my le- my um arms fast enough in a thousand years or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't need that now. You know, we got we got the new Uber Fly and all that kind of stuff, so we're good. You know. Yeah. Um. What mm-hmm. you wait? You said Uber Fly. It's Uber something. They, I, I don't know if it's Uber fly. I'm making fun of them, but they they're coming oh. out with a with a flying car. They're coming out with flying service. Yes, yeah, they're working on that. Wow, I didn't know you. I, you know, I thought it was common knowledge, but yeah, they're they're working on that. Yeah, did not know, and now yeah. I know, and now my world has changed. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the Japanese have already they've already started. They've got. Oh I yeah, mean, yeah, I know that. Today. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, what's a fictional world or place you would like to visit? Huh. Fictional world. It's not Gotham. I tell you that much. I like Batman. <laughs> I don't like his city. Uh, you know, I grew up in East Oakland. I don't need no more of that. But um, a fictional place I would like to visit. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, um, the Japan from Ghost in the Shell. Ooh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I'd yes. actually love to live in that world. I wish that world existed. I know it's like crime, but it's so smooth and they always play jazz. So it can't be that yeah. bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it's got to be, it's got to, you know, it's got some, some good points to it, you know, but uh, that world, I love that world. Shiro Masamuni is phenomenal. And I, I love the way he created. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, um, your loved one is trapped. What's a song? What's a karaoke song that you would sing that you need to know the entire song to free them? Mm. Uh, Led Zeppelin's "Immigrant Song," nice. because okay. the the lyrics just you think you think he's saying you think uh. Robert Plant saying one thing and it's not that. 
So I would say Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Okay. <laughs> Last but not least, what is your death row meal? I need an app, entree, and I need a dessert. You know, I, I guess we just throwing that immortality out the window, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just, you know, I was hoping that would get me, you know, some points, but um, an appetizer, death row. Oh man, this is this is this is harsh. Um, okay, the appetizer would have to be very unhealthy, and it would probably be honey barbecue boneless honey barbecue boneless wings i think that's what they call them but they're from kfc i know that uh the main meal would probably be burger you know bacon bacon cheeseburger big one make it three three pieces of meat three patties you know avocado mushroom a grilled onion yeah i mentioned avocado (laughs) so Yeah. yeah And add some more uh, mustard, no ketchup. And um, for the dessert, it would definitely be it would definitely be cheesecake. I am a cheesecake nut. So and and I've had cheesecake from everybody, meaning made at home restaurants. So I'm not gonna default to one or the other. I've had multiple flavors. Just bring me cheesecake, lots of it. <laughs> you know, lots of it. Very, very California of you to add an avocado <laughs> to your burger. Yeah. Oh, because the avocado toast thing? I've never done yeah. that, but okay. You know, <laughs> I, I just eat avocados. That's, that's kind of interesting. Wow. I didn't know I was going to get put in that. I thought those were millenniums. I thought I thought that was for millenniums. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm, I'm twice a millennium. I'm two millenniums, you know? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's millennial, but... Yeah, millennials. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm two millennials. <laughs> You know, I'm two. So, oh man, but yeah, that that's that's always funny when they they go to mm-hmm. when they say like Cali Burger or something like that. It always has oh. an avocado on it. Always, oh. always it's killing, killing me. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't even know that was a Cali thing. I just love mm-hmm. avocado. So, yeah, yeah, they're delicious. Um, as, yep. as I was just talking to my friend about that. How in actual Mexico they don't. Mm-hmm put all that nonsense in guacamole it's just like avocado and water yes yeah yeah we kind of like americanize it to be like hey let's put some tomatoes and Absolutely. onions and all that just, nonsense. just like pizza and everything else we we gotta we gotta like you said americanize it gotta make it our own you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 so we're gonna go into the next section of the podcast okay. which is life mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i have I have um, my first word question. Um, okay. If the other ones haven't been weird enough, um, have you ever had an experience with a ghost, alien, spirit, or demon? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna default to the alien story. Okay. I'm gonna default to the alien story. So I can't reveal what country I was in. Uh-oh. But I was in a country. I was in a country. And I was looking. It was at night. I was looking up. And I saw what looked like a heat pattern in a triangle uh, moving. And it was pretty high up. 
you could see a you know literally the shape of a triangle you know to be honest with you i know it's kind of weird but if you remember in star wars the bottom of the um i think they were the the death stars or the um no that's no no the the very large ships the the imperial ships oh yeah yeah death stars yeah death stars Mm -hmm. so that that same triangular shape okay kind of the isosceles triangle there um moving and i mentioned it to a co-worker i really trust really work with and the co-worker cut me off and said they didn't want to talk about it and they preferenced that with they had seen stuff too and felt that they just didn't want to deal with it so it was it was really interesting very very interesting wow yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it's, it's become, it's interesting how mm-hmm. um, the Pentagon just released like some information about <laughs> aliens and we're, and we're all just like, oh, whatever. I'm like, right. We say that now until, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people I don't even think realize that the UN has an official position that's been filled for a person that is like the greeter to any off-world species. That's a, literally a position with the UN. How you get selected, I don't know, maybe you're good at communication, but exactly. it, it's, it's not for talking to people in other languages, it's for talking to you know beings from another universe. So that's a real position. And if they're doing that, then, you know, buckle up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Man, yeah, breaking, breaking news on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, next, the next section of the podcast is love. Um, and I'm gonna give you a choice can you okay. give me your worst breakup story or <laughs> your worst date story? Oh man. You know, I, I gotta I gotta preference this first and say that you know. Doing this show and wanting to be more more personable to people, I didn't want to be that that personable to people. Uh, but um, who I haven't had crazy breakups. They've been pretty tame. Hmm. Uh, I can't say that they weren't emotional, but they've been pretty tame. Um, and. For anything that wasn't, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, dates, I've I've had some doozies. I've had some doozies. Um, so I went out on a date. If she's listening, I don't even think she's listening to this, but uh, me and a young lady talked for quite some time before we actually went out. We went out. And it seemed like we have a great time. We were laughing, talking, and she couldn't stop laughing. And and so at some point, you know, she takes both my hands and I'm thinking, oh, this is romantic. Wow. What's going on here? And so she tells me she's high. She tells me that she came on the date high. She had never been high before. She had never done no, not never been high before, but she had never been on a date, you know, going on a date high. And immediately I was like, oh, this just sucks. 
So, um, she came on to me pretty heavy, pretty hot and heavy. And uh, I personally believe that if you're going to do whatever, people should be in their right mind, right? Um, you know, obviously, you know, person might get buzzed or drink a little something, but but they need to be in the right mind. And that's that's my rule. And so when I turned down the approach, um, everything still seemed like it was going great. Get home, call her. Hey, I'm in. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, that's what idiots do. I should have not called her at all. You know, say nice guys, no idiots. And uh, like an idiot, I called and, you know, then she tries to tell me, hey, you know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Didn't work out. I don't like you, et cetera. And I just told her, you know, I said, wow, you know, but I did tell her, I hope that you don't get, you know, done to you what you've done to me. You know, because that that was just it was just rude. So that that was probably the worst. You know, I mean, everybody's had the the go, you know, the occasional ghost. They've either been the ghost or been ghosted on. That's not really rough. But that one that was a uh, real life lesson on look your partner up before you go. Get some bona fides, because if you don't. You're going to have to deal with whatever's there. Have that exit strategy in your back pocket and have your hand in your back pocket to deploy that exit strategy. And don't stay in a date. If a girl tells you she's high and if you're not high, too, I mean, it's, if you both go there high and you're laughing. And, but if, if, if that's not your thing, if, if whatever it is, whether it's high, whatever it is, if, if you're not something that that other person is or vice versa, cut that date short because Mm -hmm. you're looking at the person and what they're going to be. There's no need in trying to change that. No need in getting upset. They are who they are. Good. Go your own way because it's not going to work. But that didn't work for me, but I still tried to be a gentleman slash idiot. And she decided to rub it in uh, when I should have actually excused myself. But I'll, I'll, you know, I'll state she had to pay for her part of the meal because on the first date with me, I'm not going to carry you. This is a shared responsibility. You know, I, I don't believe, you know, women talk about being independent and yet they want men to pay for them. I think that you will show that independence when you're cooperating. You're paying your part. He's paying his. That should be, you know, until you guys are at the point, because joining financially before marriage or otherwise, you have to be careful of that. And I live in California. You you can you can get you get messed up here, man. So I don't play that. Oh, yeah. No state. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, some girls don't like it, but that just means I didn't want to date you anyway. So, right. yeah. I'm going to take a little snippet of that and just send it to <laughs> plenty of people. Um, <laughs> just don't mention my name. No. Yeah, I'm not going to mention okay. your name. I'm, gonna... I'm, I'm totally okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last question is right. under the guides of laughter. Can you think of one thing that immediately comes to your head when you think of the word laughter? Ooh, 
Um, what or, comes to or, hmm? or one thing that makes you laugh when when yeah. Okay, what makes me laugh? Um, <clears throat> you would think as much time as I'm taking to answer this, I don't have anything. There's lots of things that make me laugh. Um, but what makes me laugh? Ooh, I, you know, <laughs> well, always a good joke, but mm-hmm. um. Offhand, you know, comedians in general, right? So just knowing a comedian is funny and that I've heard their material before, even if I just hear their name or see them in a film, even if they haven't said anything funny, I'll immediately laugh because I know they're going to say something stupid. They're going to say something that I like. So that's definitely something immediately. Comedians, no matter what they're doing, no, I can't take them serious. You know, they could be talking about nuclear yeah. war and I'm going to laugh. So. Yeah. Comedians. So what is one thing that you go to in your mind and the darkest moment when you want to put a smile on your face? I think about my previous obstacles and how I have pushed past them. I also think about the obstacles that others have had and they were able to push forward. That that is that's that definitely powers me. I go I have a book that I keep that I write down sayings in. And from time to time, I read through that, you know, um, but they all have to do with visualization, overcoming obstacles, you know, and, and it doesn't matter who it is. You know, if if they overcame an obstacle and I can think about that at the moment and if it's the more similar it is, the better then yeah, that, that helps me find my my balance and, and my uh, point, uh, you know, it gets me on, on track, gets me on track, you know. 100%. All right. Um, so first and foremost, thank you so, so much. It's Absolutely. This has been one of my favorite episodes oh. so far. Um, oh, wow. And- hey. And it's it's like just learned learned a lot. Just got some like ideas I want to kind of like move forward with, just in general, just because just this conversation. But nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you again. So, can you please give information to everybody on how they can contact you, how they can find you, how they can stay up to date on your events and activities? Absolutely. So we want everybody that can that's involved in comics or just wants to follow us to go to themultiverse.cloud. Uh, that's where our multiverse community is. That's where we talk about the uh, applications, software, and what we're doing. And you can always find us on Facebook at Our Mverse. That's O-U-R-M-V-E-R-S-E. And for Instagram, it is R as in the letter, like Robin or Raven, multiverse. So R multiverse at Instagram. And that's where you'll find us. Um, We're still new. We're still, you know, working on posting. So if it doesn't look like, you know, a million followers or whatever, hey, we're working on it, trying to get it. 
The website is fire, though. So oh, I like thanks. that. I like always like a good website. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, if if it if it's looking kind of eh, let me know. Oh, I, I, funny thing you say that. So, um, okay. again, yeah, I'll tell you a story. Um, okay. So I, I was, uh, I, I'm in technology. So I've been, been doing this for a while. So I've been in the kind of the QA space as far, and also in a little bit of development when I was younger. Um, and one of my friends, he's, tr- he's putting together a company and he, he wants to sell like athletic, athletic wear. Right. So mm-hmm. he's like, Hey, um, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z, go to my site. And I'm like, okay, I support, you know, I usually buy like five or seven shirts when somebody okay. like comes out with their business and just to support them. Right. Okay. And I'm like going through their site on my phone. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. So mm-hmm. I'm like, let me text him. And so I text him a bunch of screenshots with like little circles around things he needs to change. And I'm okay. like, if, I'm like, what are you using? He's like, I'm using uh, this this technology, this, this platform. Okay, I don't want to mm. yeah. them or whatever. Yeah. But gotcha. he's like, and I'm like, okay, first and foremost, your banner up top is squishing your lettering all the way down. I'm like, is that does that look like that on the site? They're like, no. But majority of people that you're marketing to are using a mobile device, so you got to fix that. And I was like, right. I was like, <laughs> I was like, and then he had the one thing I. It was I, it was a small nuanced thing, but I saw mm-hmm. it is that you know how your shirts go it usually goes small, medium, large, extra large. Yeah. Yeah. He had large, small, medium, extra large, and I was like, oh. "You gotta change that." I'm just going through it and QAing his stuff, and I'm like, "Listen, if you need me to QA your stuff, but I think that's a good thing, though." Yeah, I think yeah. that. People yeah. giving you creative criticism and not being just like taken back and like just talking to their friends like, oh, he he don't got his stuff together. But trying right. to give like right. giving be able to like giving a critique that I know because when I said that he was like, oh crap. And then, like mm-hmm. two weeks after he changed it. So I'm like, nice. okay, you nice. understand, like you understand that I'm not trying to like just come down on you. I'm trying to like help you out as well because I understand that this is a predominant part of your business because you're trying to sell all this sure. stuff on you don't got no storefront you sell right. all this stuff online so that's 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 why i say i always look at websites and how clean they are and usually 95 percent right. you could tell about the business from there how the website looks that's that's the thing you know yeah. the, the website has become our reputation as mm-hmm. yeah you know, I know how I feel when I come to a website and it looks like, oh, this looks, I don't <laughs> trust these guys. I don't even know the people, but the website looks bad and I feel like they're going to rip me off. You know, <laughs> um, I, I just hope that I, I know that our website can be a lot more dynamic and it will be. But I, I wanted something that would at least be, uh, you know, for the interim to be decent and, and, you know, it's still attractive, you know, it needs to be attractive. So that's what we were going for. But I, even after that, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So I saw it and I said, uh, it doesn't look like that website or that website. So, you know, but if you like it, I'm good. Yeah, it's dope. All um, right, cool. cool. So, so last thing we have here on Drew vs. the World, and you probably heard it if you, if you went to the last part of episodes, uh, okay. let's see. Let's see if you know it. Do you know it? I think I know it. I don't I don't remember the words, but I know it's it's gotta do with chicken grease. Yes. Right? I know love that. Peace and chicken grease. Love peace and chicken grease. So whenever nice. you get a chance, you go ahead and say it. 
All right. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Here we go. And this yeah. has been another episode of Traverse of the World.